me please in your Bibles to the book of Micah, uh, the book of Micah please, the book of Micah please and chapter 5. This evening we're taking up this topic, why Bethlehem? And I suppose what I'm doing this evening and over the next couple of weeks I realise it's Christmas is coming in and time is of the essence. It's not quite a devotion, but it's not quite a sermon. It's somewhere in between is what we're doing over these next couple of weeks. And we're asking the question this evening, why Bethlehem? Why was it that the Lord Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem? What's the significance of that? Um, and what does it mean? Micah chapter 5, please. And just the one verse as we begin this evening. And this is the word of the Lord, and it reads, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, uh, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. Do keep your Bibles open. We'll have a few verses to turn to this evening. It is the Bible study, so I hope you've come prepared. And we're going to be looking at a few different verses. But this is the verse that we're going to spend most of our time focusing on here in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Just as Mary and Joseph travelled um, to reach Bethlehem prior to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, many people at this time of year will be travelling great distances to be with their family and close friends uh, to celebrate Christmas together. And you know, in 1865, Phillips Brooks, who was a preacher, attended a five-hour Christmas Eve service. I think some of you would give up on me if we went for five hours. But he attended there in 1865 a five-hour Christmas Eve service. He had travelled on horseback from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, and he had listened to a church service that evening there in Bethlehem, in a little church that apparently is still there today. And many Christmas carols associated with this time of year were sang in that particular evening. And as Phillips, as he heard these splendid hymns of praise to God, he fell in love in a fresh way with that night in Bethlehem many years before that, that meant and what it meant for him and his own soul. And three years later, he decided in response to that evening to write a hymn for the children in his own congregation uh, for a Christmas celebration. And as he began to reflect on that glorious service at the church nativity there on Christmas Eve in 1865 in Bethlehem, he penned the words of that famous hymn that we've just sang. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie, above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And when God chose where his son would be born, he chose a little town called Bethlehem. But why Bethlehem? What's the significance of Bethlehem? Well, I want to suggest three things this evening that we discover in the Old Testament that point to why it might have been Bethlehem that the Savior came to. And the first of those is this, 
This Bethlehem was prepared historically for the Lord. It was prepared historically. God selected Bethlehem before time began as the birthplace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to understand why and the significance of this place, it's vital for us to know that this city is mentioned 35 times in 11 different Old Testament books over a period of 1,300 years. 35 times over 11 books in the Old Testament over a period of 1,300 years. But historically, Bethlehem, it was a place of sorrow. It was a place of sorrow. Turn with me to Genesis 48, please, and the verse 7. Genesis 48, please, and the verse 7. And this speaks to us of how Bethlehem, it was a place of sorrow. Genesis 48, and the verse 7. And this is what it reads there. It says, And as for me, when I came from Paddan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same is Bethlehem. The actual record of Rachel's death is recorded in Genesis 35. And the verses 16 to 20. And as she died, she died in childbirth. And she called her child's name Ben-Onai, meaning child of my sorrow. There in Bethlehem, she gave birth to Ben-Onai, and she, meaning child of my sorrow. And of, of course, centuries later, there in Bethlehem, the man of sorrows was born in this very place. And he would carry our sorrows in his body. Because of him, when we lose dear loved ones, dear friends, we don't sorrow as those with no hope. And one day, because of him, the man of sorrows who came, dear Christian, we'll go to the place where there's no more sorrow and no more pain. Christmas time's a difficult time for many of us. Maybe this Christmas, for the first time, there'll be a seat empty at the table. And you can say similar words to that of Jonathan when he spoke to David and he said, Thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. Maybe this Christmas you miss that loved one who's gone before. Maybe it's been a number of Christmases and that seat is still empty and you still miss that loved one. But remember the psalmist, they wrote in Psalm 6, their pillow soaked with tears. We read it last Sunday morning. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. But the story continues here. Bethlehem, that place of sorrow. Because we read in Jeremiah 31 verse 15. Look it up if you will. The prophet Jeremiah writes of Rachel's death many years later. But he writes of it in a way of prophecy pointing towards Bethlehem when the Savior was born. In Jeremiah 31 verse 15 we read these words. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. 
And in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16 to 18, in his gospel, he connects Jeremiah's prophecy with this time of great sorrow as the Lord Jesus was born. Because he writes, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined by the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Here is the fulfillment of that those verses we have read in Jeremiah, connected to Rachel who gave birth to Benani, that child of sorrow. And here in Matthew we read these words, Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So we see the glory of our Savior's birth against a backdrop of darkness and sorrow. And how significant that he came to rid mankind of the ugliness of sin. And here in the Gospel of Matthew is the, is the slaying and the murder in masses of male children under two years old. Is that not just a picture of the ugliness of sin? And you hear that great crying there as Herod gives this command. And in the backdrop of darkness, the light of the world shone forth. And let me tell you, even today, you may look around this country and you may only see the darkness. But we are called as ambassadors for Christ to shine forth his light. In a backdrop of darkness. That's what we're called to do. To be a shining light. To be a city on a hill. And here in this, this place of sorrow. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who said I am the light of the world. Was born Bethlehem. It was a place of sorrow historically. But it was also a place of selection. We'll just leave it David. A place of selection. In 1 Samuel, in chapter 17, verse 12, we read of David's selection as the king of Israel. Because we read there, now David was the son of that Ephrathite, the Bethlehem Judah, of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. Little insignificant Bethlehem provided Israel with its most enduring hero, David, who would be the first God-chosen king. In fact, Bethlehem became known as the city of David. And the Lord Jesus at times is described as the son of David. And through the city of Bethlehem flowed the lineage and descent of our Savior. And so the night that the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Another king was selected, if you like. He wasn't just to be the king of Israel. He was to be the king of kings. And he was to be the Lord of lords. Historically, we can think of Bethlehem as the place of sorrow. We, we can think of it as the place of selection. But we can also think of it as a, of, as a place of salvation. For we read in Ruth, in chapter 4 and verse 11, 
We read there, and all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou verbally in Ephratah, and be famous in Bethlehem. In this little book of Ruth, Bethlehem is mentioned seven times, the number of perfection in Scripture. In fact, the book of Ruth presents to us one of the most perfect pictures in the Old Testament of the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words redeem, redemption, and kinsman redeemer occur 19 times in that little book. Just four chapters. 19 times the word redeemer is found. In fact, the whole story of the Old Testament, not just the book of Ruth, leads to Christ's birth, the redeemer. It was a place of salvation historically. In Bethlehem was the story of Jacob and the Savior descended from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And David is selected to be Israel's king in Bethlehem. And the Lord Jesus is called the son of David. And the genealogy of Christ, and in the genealogy of Christ, Ruth is mentioned as being in the lineage of our Savior. And the one thread that connects all these people that you can see from the beginning Is that place Bethlehem? Historically, a place of sorrow. Historically, a place of selection. Historically, a a, a place of salvation. But not just was Bethlehem prepared historically. Why Bethlehem? Bethlehem was prepared symbolically. There's symbolism in Bethlehem. Read Micah 5 verse 2. This is the main verse that we're focusing on this evening. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Do you know what Bethlehem means? It means the house of bread. The house of bread. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he told us in John 6, 51, he says this, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The house of bread, Bethlehem, brings the bread of life. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? The house of bread, there in Bethlehem, The one who said when he grew older, I am the bread of life, comes from that place, symbolically. A little five-year-old boy was determined to have plenty of fun on his first day of school. And he was really excited, a little apprehensive, but he was determined to have fun at all costs. And his mum kissed him goodbye at the school gate and she went back home. And at lunchtime there was a familiar knock at the door. And it was her son who had found his way home. And she said to him, what are you doing here? And the little boy replied, I've quit school. Why, said the mother. And he replied, it's too hard, it's too long, and it's too boring. And the mother retorted, well, we need to get you back because you've just described life. And life can become so long and hard at times. But as children of God, we can depend on the one who is the bread of life. He comes, he, he who comes to me, says the Savior, shall never hunger. And dear child of God, remember, he will supply every need 
according to his riches and glory. Trust in his almighty hand this Christmas season. He'll carry you through. But also look at the other name here in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 here. Because it says Bethlehem Ephrata. Now Ephrata, it means fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. To a spiritually hungry and thirsting world came the bread of life who teaches us to be fruitful for him. Reminding us of his first earthly home, the Lord Jesus told his followers in John 15 verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. The bread of life, who dwells within us, by his Spirit, and seeks for us to be fruitful for him. How significant this place Bethlehem is. Why Bethlehem? Well, it was the house of bread. It was fruitfulness is in its meaning. The Lord Jesus said this in John 15, verse 16. He says, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Bethlehem, it was prepared historically. It was prepared symbolically, but finally this evening I want you to see that it was prepared. It was prepared prophetically. Micah wrote his prophecy in approximately 722 BC, uh, at least 600 years before the Lord Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. And at the time of his birth, when Herod gathered the whole Jewish Sanhedrin together and inquired where the Lord Jesus was to be born. Do you know what the Jewish Sanhedrin did? They looked at prophecy and they turned to Herod and they said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. When he brought the Jewish Sanhedrin together, they knew because they went to scripture. They knew exactly where the Savior would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And some, you may come across some people who criticize the Christmas story and look for gaps in it. Maybe they say, maybe Jesus wasn't really born in Bethlehem. Perhaps the Jews who decided to believe made that up. But look, in the Gospel of Luke, he was a historian. And he tells us that the family went down to Bethlehem and there Jesus was born. He also tells us that the angel heaven said, that the child would be born in the city of David. And the shepherds said in Luke chapter 2 verse 15. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass. Which the Lord hath made known unto us. Both history and scripture affirm the truth of Micah's amazing prophecy. Do you know what's more? When Micah made this prophecy. Only three continents would have been known to man. That would have been Europe, Asia, and Africa. And Micah chose Asia. And Asia had many countries. And Micah mentions only one country, a small area known as Palestine of Syria. But in Palestine, there were three districts. There was Judea, there was Galilee, and there was Samaria. So which one did Micah choose? Well, he chose Judea. But Judea has thousands of little villages at the time of the prophecy 
And yet Bethlehem was the one chosen. The prophet reaches down 600 years before the event and puts his finger on a little obscure village in Judah and says, in that time, the Savior will come and he'll be born there. And with God's spirit guiding him, Micah chose the right continent, the right country, and the right district, and the right village, which was now a city, not Bethlehem of Zebulun, but Bethlehem of Judah. Aren't you glad that the Christmas message rests on accurate prophetic truth and historical accuracy? But beyond this, the significance of the Savior's birth in Bethlehem is captured in the last line of the first verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee and met in you, Bethlehem, tonight. We have asked the question, why Bethlehem? And where the Savior was born, let me tell you, it's an interesting fact. But the reality that he came and why he came is a thrilling truth. He loved us so much that he obeyed his father's call to come to this dirty speck called earth. And the Savior's response to the father's call was, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book that it is written of me to do your will, O God. Dear brothers and sisters, tonight we celebrate the events that happened at Bethlehem because we've been to Calvary. And tonight we celebrate the cradle because we've been to the cross. And we celebrate his first coming because our sins were forgiven as a result of that coming because he finished the work that he came to do. And the wonderful message of Christmas, it's not even all about the details that we have discussed tonight, though they affirm the truth of Scripture. Bringing confidence to our faith as well. But the important truth of Christmas is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Bethlehem, it was prepared historically. It was a place of sorrow. It was a place of sorrow. It was a place of selection. It was a place of salvation. It was prepared symbolically. Bethlehem, there it is. The name Bethlehem meaning the house of bread. Ephrata meaning fruitfulness. Bethlehem. It was pre prepared prophetically. How so many in the Old Testament, the truths came true. It was so accurate. And praise God tonight. Christ will come again one day. And he will receive his church unto himself. What a great, great message. What great truths we find in the Christmas story. A saviour who came. A saviour who came to sorrow, and yet the one who came to do away with sorrow. What a great saviour to turn to this Christmas. And may we praise him, and may we, may we glorify his name as we go through the next week and a half, as we meet with family, 
as we have opportunities to share the gospel, may we use them and may we truly show others the light of the world this Christmas. Let's pray together before we come to our time of prayer. Our God and our Father, we bow humbly again in thy most holy presence this evening. And we thank you, Father, for the truths that we can learn from Scripture. We thank you, Father, that as we look right through the story of the Old Testament, that we can see the almighty hand of God upon the pages of Scripture, upon the pages of history. We thank you, Father, that we can trace through the line and we can see how significant this place Bethlehem was. But Father, as we consider all the details and we consider those things, while it affirms for us the truthfulness of Scripture, and as it causes our faith to grow, we thank you most of all for that baby that came. We thank you, Father, that the Lord Jesus, God incarnate, came down to this scene of time against that darkness, that dark backdrop, as we read of those children that lost their lives, as Herod sought to get rid of the Holy One of God. But Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the bread of life. We thank you, Father, that he is the one who provides for us daily. We thank you, Father, for the temporal blessings, the spiritual blessings that we have already enjoyed today. We thank you, Father, indeed, for our salvation once more. We thank you, Father, that we look forward to the coming again of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we thank you, Father, that whether he comes or calls us home, that, Father, we are a people who are ready because we've been to the cross and we've been washed in the blood. And we thank you, Father, for the great love that was displayed in Christ coming to this earth. We thank you, Father, that he has paid the price for sin. And that's why we rejoice in Christmas. For Emmanuel, God came to be with us, and walked this earth, and lived and died for us, and is now risen again, and seated above in the place where he is honoured. Father, we pray for our church fellowship for each this season. Many will go through a difficult time in Christmas. Many will miss loved ones that have gone. But Father, we pray that you will build them up in these days, that they will know your help, your presence, your loving arms around them in a very special way this Christmas. And Father, we just pray indeed that this Christmas, that you would use us to share the gospel with our friends and family who are outside of Christ. Father, we remember our carol service this Lord's Day. We pray for those who will come along in the gospel effort there. Oh God, we just pray that you will visit us with your salvation. Bless us, we pray. Do us good. And we ask this in the precious name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. One announcement that I did omit is on Monday, next Monday, uh, the Sunday School and Joy Club will have their Christmas party. Um, so please do remember that in your prayers as they have their little party as well.
As we come to pray, let me give you a number of points for prayer. Please pray for the office bearers, the elders and deacons as they meet um, from time to time at the beginning of each month and as we lead. And just pray that the Lord will bless us in decisions that are to be made and that the Lord would give us great wisdom in these difficult days. Remember to pray for the leaders of the different teams around, um, of the lead, of teams of each of the works around the church. Um, of course, many of the works are taking a break for Christmas, so pray that each of those leaders and teams will have a good restful period um, until they come back in January. Let's pray for the Lord's help for the weekend ahead, uh, Sunday or Saturday, first of all, for the youth club, and also this Lord's Day morning, and then, of course, late afternoon for our carol service. Let's pray that the Lord will use that gospel effort. Let's remember our children and young people in these days. Remember to pray for those who are sick um, at this time. Let's continue to remember Bertie and Maureen's son, Alistair. Um, let's continue to pray for Elsie uh, settling into her new, new home. Um, remember um, Elsie Miller's son, Jordan, his mother-in-law, Jeanette, the Pierce esophagus. There has been good signs. There's been, there's been a little bit of healing there in the esophagus, so the Lord is answering prayer. And let's continue to pray on uh, for Jeanette is her name. Uh, Jeanette, let's continue to pray for her. Let's also remember Elsie's brother-in-law suffering with terminal cancer as well. Um, remember Sammy and Maureen as well. Um, let's continue to pray for them um, throughout this period. Um, remember those who we know are, who are unsaved, who are often out at our gospel meetings. Remember Marbeth and there's a, the, the whole situation there. It's a difficult one with the family. A brother who's not well, who she hasn't heard about, and it's it's just a very very complicated family situation, and we want to remember Marbeth. And she's been coming out on Sunday evenings. Um, last Sunday evening, um, Claire and I had the opportunity to sit, um, with Marbeth after the meeting for maybe about twenty minutes, and Marbeth is searching. Um, she remained behind, and we were sitting chatting and. You know, she she understands the gospel. She understands it. But there's just something that hasn't dropped. You know, I asked her the question, Marbeth, if you were to die tonight, where would you be? And her answer was, well, I would be doomed. And she knows the gospel. And she knows what she needs to do to be saved. We have spoken with her, but we need to just lift her name before the Lord. She is searching. And we want to see her saved. Of course, remember Noel as well, who is out on Sunday evenings as well. And let's pray for our unsaved family members and friends. Let's pray for names. Let's bring names before the throne of God this evening. And let's ask the Lord to move in salvation. Let's remember our missionary family, Joseph and Sandra, having a very busy month, a very busy Christmas schedule. And let's remember them in prayer. Also remember Campbell um, volunteering Belfast City Mission in Sandy Row. Um, a special Christmas evening tomorrow evening. Um, so let's uh, particularly remember that this evening and the effort tomorrow evening uh, down there in Sandy Row. Remember the work of Baptist missions, Ireland, France, Peru and Spain. Um, and let's remember various mission organisations who have been here in recent times, Faith in Action, UFM, New Tribes Mission, the Storos Foundation, and there may be others that come to your mind. Let's remember them in prayer. They come to report. Let's not forget about them in the weeks after they leave. And pray for the community around us here at Greens. Remember the tracks that have gone through the doors in the past week. 
Uh, remember the needs of our land and let's remember the needs in our world at this time. And of course, anything that comes to your mind as we pray, please do buy up the time. We'll pray through to maybe 10 past nine or so. We'll see as the Lord leads. And um, maybe if I could ask um, Keith, uh, if you would lead us off this evening in prayer. And let's pray often. Let's pray that the Lord would move. And let's buy up the time well.